It's so true to life, isn't it? Hey, uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome. You guys are in the midst of Snowmageddon, apparently, and you guys made it. Um, we're, in the, we're in this series called 21 Days of Prayer, and if you look at how much it snowed and how crazy it got, um, for those of you who have a childlike heart or maybe one of the kids here, you've been praying for snow, look at the power of your prayers. The snow came. Um, so good to see you guys. Um, this morning, uh, we're going to have the service be a little bit more family uh, style, and I just want to make sure if you're new, uh, we're so glad you're here. It's impressive that uh, all of you guys made it. And uh, I also want to welcome people who are watching church online. We love you guys. We're glad you're, uh, you're here with us in spirit. And uh, we're going to make this a little bit more uh, family style, devotional um, for our service. And so I'm going to be really practical with, uh, with the sermon today. And uh, we're going to continue our 21 days of prayer. Let me say a word of prayer and we'll jump right on in. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for this church family. Would you bless every person, you know, whether they're here in, the, in this building, Lord, or they're watching online, just bless the spiritual family that is Whitewater. We're so grateful for that. Would you bless other churches that are part of uh, the, the larger church of Jesus Christ, the, the Jesus people in, in this uh, Piaut Valley and Pierce County, Lord, we just pray for their safety and for uh, you to just be with, with your people uh, today and throughout the week. Um, would you just help us as we come to hear your word, prepare our hearts, help us to walk out of here with joy, and maybe something that, that we can take with us into the week. In Jesus' name, amen. So the vision for uh, 21 Days of Prayer uh, is, is really simple. It's to turn up the temperature of prayer in our church. Prayer is simply talking with God. And I, I love the concept of talking with God. It's not just talking at God. But it's, it's conversational, it's both speaking and, tell, and speaking to God from our own hearts, and then listening to Him. And when you begin to have a prayer life, the goal of prayer is to have a relationship with God. The goal isn't to have a, just to have a ritual, the goal isn't just to have like, kind of a, a way of having life, or I don't know how you might look at prayer, um, but it, prayer is really about developing a relationship with God. And um, so today I want to give you some just really basic things, but the 21 days is for you to start a prayer life if maybe prayer isn't as uh, uh, big a part of your life yet, or if you have been walking with Jesus for a while, just to go begin going deeper in your, in your prayer life with God. So our community groups are aligning around this, individuals are aligning around this, and we hope that 21 days of prayer is just a huge blessing to you and our church. And, um, and so I will, uh, I'll jump in. I got some advice this week on prayer from one of the best prayers I know. So I'm going to give you just some advice from my from my grandpa, uh, George Senior. I'm George the uh, Third. George Senior is a just a prayer guy. He has just such a an amazing faith life with God, and uh, and I, so I remember talking with him a while ago, and then even this last week. Because uh, I told him I was going to share about this, and, and so he gave me some of his wisdom. So I'm just giving you some of the, the best I've got from a guy who's been praying for a long time. So uh, my grandpa was born on a farm in Ohio. He's uh, originally a farm boy, and um, when he was born, he was born into a Welsh family, and he was born dyslexic and left-handed. 
And so um, if you're born into a Welsh family back in the day and you were left-handed, they would, um, they would actually tie your left hand behind your back and make you learn um, the, the, uh, the other hand. So he had to learn to make his right hand his dominant hand when he was actually left-handed. Uh, so he said that caused all kinds of issues growing up in middle school and high school. He's like, I was so awkward. And then he was born severely dyslexic. And I don't know if you're, you have dyslexia or, or maybe family members or friends that have dyslexia, but it made it really difficult. And back in, when he was a kid, they didn't have any of the tools they do to help someone with uh, a learning disability like that. And so he, he said, George, I always just felt like the dumbest kid in class. I couldn't read. I tried as hard as I could to read, and I couldn't read out. He's like, there was a class for, called the Bluebirds, and it was like for the kids that couldn't read. And he's like, I was in the Bluebirds all the way through elementary school. He's like, and I just thought I was dumb. I just thought I, I wasn't smart enough. And he's like, and then I was awkward and just terrible with sports and anything with hand-eye coordination because my, my left hand, I hadn't been able to learn how to use it. And, and he said, I was just a mess in high school. Well, as he got older, he, um, he felt called to, to become a pastor. And so he went to pastor school. It's called seminary. And uh, what, if, if you didn't know about seminary, one of the big things you have to do is read and read and read and read and then write and write and write. And it was like the, the area he hated most in school. And uh, he, he's like, I would watch these guys, they'd be reading all these big, thick theology books, they'd be reading the Bible, and he's like, the spiritual giants of that day and age um, were the people who, it's all right, we got coffee back there for you, don't fight over it, guys, it's, there's enough for everybody. <laughs> um, but my, my grandpa just said that it was so daunting for him to see the ones who were going to be the, like, the best pastors are the ones who could read and they could write tons and tons of stuff. And, uh, and, and he, he came to a point in his life where he, um, he just decided, you know what, I'm never going to be a great reader and I'm never going to be a great writer. In fact, my grandma actually had to read the books to him. Um, they didn't have Audible back then. He had my grandma novella, who my daughter is named after, and she would read his theology books. He was actually very intelligent, very smart guy, but he had to learn and figure out how to, how to do that a different way. And then his, uh, writing, he would dictate, and my grandma was super fast typer. She was brilliant at reading. She could read like, uh, she was a speed reader, literally. She could just read page upon page. She was just really great at that. And she helped him through school. And um, it was really incredible. But he came to a point in his life where he said, you know what, I'm never going to be a great reader and writer. But he's like, but I can become a prayer. I'm going to learn how to pray. And he said there was a guy he, he met um, that taught at his, his seminary, the pastor school, who, who said, I started praying and I pray an hour a day in the mornings. My grandpa's like, that sounds incredibly daunting. I, I don't think I could do that, but you know what? I'm going to try it. So he said he, um, he made that, that dedication to the Lord. He committed, I will pray. So he, um, he got his clock out. He set his alarm. Um, alarm went off at five in the morning. He got up, went out, got his coffee, sat down on the sofa. Have any of you guys ever done this before? Try to pray early in the morning. He's like, I'd never done it, but I was, I was committed to it. I was going to learn to pray for an hour. Does that sound daunting to any of you guys out there praying for an hour? He sat down on the sofa and he's like, I'm going to pray. And so he started praying. He just bowed his head and he had his Bible out in front of him and he just started praying. And he said, he woke up. Three minutes later, he just like, whoa. And he, he was like, man, I, I felt like such a failure. But the next morning, set my alarm clock, got up. 
went and prayed. And this time he's like, I prayed for five minutes and woke up. And then he, it was 10 minutes. And then he just started praying and he just committed to it. I'm going to learn to pray. I'm not going to be a reader. I'm not built that way, but I will pray. And eventually he got up to an hour a day. And the first thing I wanted to, to just say to us as, a, as your pastor and, and as a devotional for our church is start praying. Even if it's just three minutes in the morning and you wake up, start praying. Commit to starting to learn to pray. You just got to start. And he's like, I just had to start somewhere. And the, the other interesting thing to me um, that my grandpa, um, in his wisdom, he's like, make sure when you talk to people, he's like, tell them it's not, it's not just about close, you know, closing your hands and bowing your head. He's like, prayer, I wanted prayer to be like immersed uh, in my life. I wanted to immerse myself in prayer. And so he said, I just started learning to just thank God. I, I didn't have to bow my head and cl- you know, close my eyes and fold my hands. I just started praying when I was driving or I'm walking. And he said, tell them the, the best way to start praying is to commit to it. And he's like, for me, was to, to start praying with praise. To start praying with praise. Because when you begin praising God, God, you're thanking him and you begin having a thankful heart so he's like this is what I did I just started thanking the Lord and praising him for the things in my life and he's like just start with what's familiar start with maybe your family that's what he did he's like I just start praying and thanking God for my family thanking him for my kids and my wife and then my house and my car and he's like I would just start thanking the Lord even if things weren't going good I just I, I committed myself to praying and starting with praise and he's like, it was crazy how much my attitude would shift and the way I would see the world would shift when I began or started praying with praise. And he said, uh, pretty soon when you, he's like, I would start thanking the Lord for these things in my life. And all of a sudden I would start praying outside of the familiar and pray for friends and other people would come to mind and other situations and worries. And he's like, I would just start praying for them. And it would shift from praising God to all of a sudden praying for other people and asking for other people and other situations. And so when you start with praise, it's just a starting point that takes you beyond yourself out into the world with your prayer life. Does that make sense? And it's just been such good advice. Um, and, it, and it provides a thankful, thankful heart. My grandpa is now in his 80s. Um, he has Parkinson's, so his health has been taken from him. He can't live at the house that he lived in for years and years and years. Uh, he has assisted living now. And so his, even his comfortable place of living has been taken from him. My grandma Novella uh, passed away a few years ago. So the love of his life, and they had a romance uh, for years and years. And when she passed, it was one of the hardest things for him because they just, they loved each other. And, and he's lost the love of his life. And so he's had so much taken from him. But I will tell you, there is not a more thankful, joyful person you'll meet than my grandpa. He just has a way, he just, he's filled with joy because he's got this pattern in his life. No matter what's going on, he praises God. He takes time and he's got a life now of prayer. And it's not just like an hour in the morning. He still does like an hour or two in the morning. Um, and, but he prays throughout the day. And he encourages people, find your rhythm. You don't have to like, you know, try to be like me right away, just, but just start somewhere. And uh, he is so thankful. How many of you guys were here last week when Danny Payment um, gave the sermon? Were you guys here for that? 
Do you guys see the joy on her face when she was talking about Jesus? She loves Jesus. I mean, she was just talking about her from her own heart and what prayer has done in her own life and, and prayer is simply talking with God and you can see it etched on her face. And you, you see someone like Danny, you see someone like my grandpa, and they love Jesus and the joy of the Lord, you know, just kind of, it flows out of their heart and out of their life. It's not just a program, it's not a tradition, it's, it's, it's who they are. And, and we were talking with my, I was talking with my community group this week and we, we talked about this question. Do you think that that kind of joy and that kind of love and that kind of walk with God is only for the spiritual giants of our world? Only for the people who are like really super spiritual, like they were born that way. Do we think that that kind of joyful life is accessible for just a few people? Because when I read the Bible, I'm reading a, a, a story about how that kind of joy, that kind of walk with God um, is, is accessible for every single one of us. We just have to start praying. And my grandpa would say, start with praise. And over time, like that kind of Jesus life just starts to flow out of us. Wouldn't, wouldn't you love to have the kind of life where when people encounter you, just joy exudes from your heart? Every single one of us can have that. You'd have your personality. You could still have your sarcasm. You could still have your, you know, way of looking at the world. You could still have, you know, you're, you're an achiever or you're a planner or, you know, you're a people person or, you know, you're a process person. You can be you but have the joy of the Lord swelling up in your life. And what would a church filled with those kind of people look like? I just get excited thinking about, man, as our church presses into prayer and faith and love, a lot of joy coming out of our life. Now, I want to just take you to some scriptures for a moment. There's a, there's a man of prayer in the Bible named David. How many of you guys are probably familiar with him? He's a, he's a character that is well known, but if you're not used to church, he was a guy who went from being a shepherd to being a king in Israel. Not a perfect guy, but he was a passionate guy. He really cared about the Lord. And he had a prayer life that he developed at a young age while he was a shepherd looking after sheep. And that pattern, that habit served him so powerfully throughout his life. There's a psalm, it's called Psalm 145. And I would encourage you to write that down. If you have notes out to make sure to write that down. This week, read through Psalm 145. I want to I just take you through this psalm of praise and prayer by David and just highlight a few things. We're not going to spend a ton of time here, but I think it's really important. So, uh, And even if you're online at home, you can grab your Bible out right now, follow up on the screen behind me. But we're going to look at a pattern of prayer that David sets out. And in this, in this prayer, he starts with praise. Check this out. In verse 1, he says... I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. He's like, my life that's going to go on into eternity, because he, had, he, didn't, he didn't just live for the, just this momentary life. He knew that he served a God that was eternal, and he got to spend the rest of eternity with. So he's like, I am committing my life to praise you for eternity. He says, I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. He's like, God, you're so good. No one can measure how amazing you are. Like, we can't even try, but I'm going to try. I'm just going to start listing the things that I think are great about you. And if you'll notice in the first part of this psalm, it's all about David's commitment to praising God and praying. 
It's about his commitment. Remember we said, just start praying. He commits to praying and praising God. Uh, If you skip down to uh, verse 5, he says, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor. Those are some words, right? You don't hear those, you know, that combination of words very often. I, I love it though. He says, I will meditate. You know, meditation is focusing your heart. It's like Danny Payment said last week. It's kind of like shutting the door to the outside noise. And it's focusing your heart. It's quieting your mind. And, and for Christians, it's learning to focus our hearts on the, good, uh, the goodness of God, the kingdom of God, and focus on him. Talk with God. It's, it's time to meditate. Did you know um, there's other forms of meditation? Um, but one of the biggest forms of meditation that are, that's in our culture that I see is one that people don't even realize that they're doing. Meditation is going all the, on all the time. Did you know that worry is one of the biggest forms of meditation in our culture? Worry is meditation, but you're focusing, you're meditating on the, the negative, the thing you're afraid of, the, the fear that's in your life, the stuff that we're afraid of. Worry is a form of meditation, but it's a meditation on the negative, on the, on the bad, on the, what we're afraid of. And David's teaching us to meditate on God, to lift our eyes, to lift our hearts. And when we commit to meditating and praying and praising God, it changes us. It changes the way we see things. I love, he's like, I will meditate on your majestic glorious splendor like you are so wonderful there like there's not words in the hebrew or the english to fully encapsulate how good you are but i'm going to give you the best ones we got you are splendiferous or whatever you might put when you're thinking about god how wonderful he is he's glorious he's good goes on to say your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue i will proclaim your greatness i will speak about it i I, you're so good and you're so your joy floods my heart so much i can't help but speak of the goodness of god goes on in verse eight if you wanted to jump down to verse eight and here's where the switch happens he goes from committing to praising god committing to praying to actually talking and speaking and praising the character of god he starts and compassionate slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love he says your love is so faithful God and he I'm, I'm, I know he's probably imagining I can just see him like as he's praising just remembering the the faithfulness of God in his life man God when I was going through this trial and this struggle when I almost lost my life here you were faithful again and again and again and he's praising him you can feel the room being lifted when you when you when you praise God He goes on to say, the Lord is good to everyone, in verse 9. He showers compassion on all his creation. He uses a a natural, like, reality of of rain, like this nature metaphor, the rains that come. That's just a a picture of the compassion of God. When it rains hard, that's that's like God's compassion raining on the world. All of creation. God is love. Verse 10, it says, all of your works... Well, thank you, Lord. And your faithful followers will praise you. Isn't that so cool? Your faithful followers will praise you. If you want to find Jesus, people, if you want to look for Jesus, people, to help you on your path and encourage you, look for people who praise God. Look for people who can see the good. 
Even when it's like a storm out, even when it's hard and it's like rain's coming down, lightning's coming down, they're like, that's like the compassion of God. Because they can see the good. Because they can, they can see even in the craziness going on around you in your life that God is always good. Always. And if you want to find Jesus people, look for praising people. And if you're struggling following Jesus, often it's followed by a, a heart that struggles with thankfulness. A heart that might not be praising God enough. Begin praising him. In verse 11 it says, they will speak of your glory and your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. I love that. Examples of your power. I, I uh, have a a prayer journal that I have and when I start off my prayers I actually have a place of just praise because I learned from my grandpa that you start with praise and I'll actually write out three to five things that I'm really thankful for I'll just write it out and then I might pray through it um, I might pray and then write it out but the point is I focus my heart on what God is doing and I, I just thank him Lord thank you for Wes thank you for giving my son Wesley he's a year and a half he's actually right there Thank you. He's a gift. He's a miracle. Doctors didn't even think we'd have him. And thank you, Lord. And so when my day is like crummy or my week's been really hectic, like in the middle of the storm, just saying, God, thank you. It focuses me. And instead of meditating by worrying, I meditate by thanking and praising in prayer. Do you take time to praise God? Do you take time to write a list out, to think of things like, man, God, you're good? Um, I would really encourage you to try doing that. Write it out. Get a prayer journal. Three to five things on, every day. Or maybe just start with a week. Like once a week. Write three to five things you're super thankful for. And see what that does in your life. If you jump down to verse 17, it says, The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. Again, he just keeps talking about how great God is. He's just talking about the character of God. He's righteous. He's kind. He's good. I love this. The Lord is close. This is verse 18. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. Like when, when David felt like the Lord was far away or when you and I feel like the Lord is, is far away from us and like we feel abandoned. We feel like, man, I'm just alone in this thing. We have to remind ourselves of the truth and the truth is God is right here. We're, if we don't feel God's presence, sometimes it means we've been walking away from him. And yet he still is close. It's a, God is as close as we want him to be, friends. Do you, do you ask for his presence? Do you ask God, help me to be aware of your presence. Help me to see your goodness. And then verse 21, it closes with this. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and for, forever and ever. I will praise the Lord. He starts with saying that. I will praise the Lord. He commits to it. At the end, he commits to it. I will praise the Lord. And may everyone, and it's, it's not just a command, like you have to praise him and bless him. No, it's a call to the Christian. It's a call to the world. Bless the creator, the source of all life and light and goodness. Like, like praise him, bless him. But there's an old-fashioned way of um, writing about praise, and it's bless the Lord. And some people theologically are like, well, we can't bless the Lord. We're wicked and evil and but the bible teaches us david teaches us bless the lord with all that you have bless and blessings just simply in this context saying good things good true things about god bless him praise him 
So we're going to be spending some time praising and blessing him. And I, I hope that it lifts you out of whatever you're going through. And it maybe helps just focus your heart. Um, let me just leave you with, with a few final thoughts. One is this. Even in the social sciences, like in psychology, um, scientists have done tests. And even in the, in the world that might not acknowledge God, they have found that thankfulness and joy and praise change the human heart. There's actual benefits. Did you guys know that? There are actual benefits just to the normal human being learning to be a joyful person. Let me share a few with you. Um, you become more joyful and positive. They're just like, that's what happens. You guys are like, no, duh. How many of you guys could use that in your life, in your own life, or maybe in the life of others around you? More joy, more positivity? Come on, a few of us here? That's a good thing. My friend Jason walked into the place filled with joy, bringing joy. He brought happy donuts into the room, and everyone's like grabbing. I, mean, I don't know if it was his you know, strategy to make more friends today or what, but he just the room. He was um, positivity. When, we, when we're thankful people, when we're praising people, there's other things like contentment. How, how, how much does our world need contentment these days? What would it be like if you were just a really content person? How would that change people around you? Uh, there's other things that, that uh, psychologists have found with thankfulness. And when people actually write down and dwell on three to five things that they're joyful for, thankful for, um, it, they find that people are more alert, they're more present, they're more connected to people around them. How amazing would that be just for our families that we're more connected to them than our devices? Because we're thanking the Lord not just for like, oh, this beautiful little, my precious. But we're looking at the people around us, the souls around us, the, the, the souls that will go on in eternity. Sometimes we don't see the glorious beings that are the people around us. We just get annoyed with them or we look past them, we're too busy. But God has put these wonderful treasures in our life that we can be more present to, more connected to. Here's another thing. Um, they found that people who are joyful and thankful and, and focus on that uh, have better psychological and physical health. You live healthier lives when there's more joy. When you are thankful, Christians, we should have more health than the average person because, you know, because of our joy and our thankfulness. Doesn't mean that nothing bad will happen, but we're able to look through and know that like, hey, God's got a plan. We're going to be able to make it through this. God is with me. Or maybe other people can't take joy when they're going through hardship. Here's a few other things. Um, for you who uh, like to stay fit, those who have more joy and thankfulness in their life, uh, exercise more. They get up and they exercise more. It just has this cumulative snowball effect in our life, getting bigger and bigger. Um, and now, for you achievers out there, there might be a few achievers that like to get things done. You'll like this. Um, making sure to focus on joy and thankfulness uh, helps people be, be more likely to progress in their goals. You actually get more done. And you get better things done. And you're, you have more joy. You have more positive emotion. You have more faith. You're more willing to take risk. You're more likely to progress in your goals. Achievers are like, yes. See, thankfulness is good. Thankfulness is good. Don't blow past the things to be thankful for because you're so busy getting things done. You'll be more productive with joy and thankfulness. The last thing is, are there any young parents in the room? Young parents? It says you get better and more sleep. Can I get an amen? Let's be thankful, friends. This is good news. My dad was going through, I'll close with this. My dad was going through a really um, 
tough season, and uh, he was really frustrated with where he was in life, and um, he was frustrated. He just felt like behind the eight ball with everything, and it, was, it had been a really hard week. And my grandpa, George, called him up. He knew he was having a hard, hard season. He called him up. He's like, George, I know you're really frustrated, but here's what I want you to do. Go around your house, lay your hands on the things that are in your house, and thank God for them. So he, he told him, go, go to your, your bed, to your couch, to your, to your table, to your kitchen, and lay your And he's like, even your kids, you don't have to pray out loud to weird them out, but just put your hand on their head. Quietly thank the Lord for him. He's like, you need to get yourself out of the pit. So my dad's like, ah, okay, dad. Hangs up. He's probably my age at this time, 35, 36. And my dad would just went around the room in the house and even outside the house. And he grabbed the coffee table. I'm like, Lord, thank you for my coffee. T- thank you for giving this to me. Lord, thank you for this old, dilapidated, terrible sofa that we got for free. Lord, thank you for this TV that works half the time. Lord, thank you for my kitchen. Thank you for this. Thank you for my son. Thank you for my daughter. He just started walking around praising and thanking the Lord. And all of a sudden, my dad, just the way he began seeing things changed. And he was like lifted out of the pit. And my grandpa's like, he just said, whenever you're really going through the, the dark days, tangibly begin thanking the Lord. And that was praying. He wasn't folding his hands. He wasn't closing his eyes. If that's helpful, that's great. But he was just walking around the room tangibly. Maybe some of us need to go through our life and put our hands on the things that God has given us and just thank him. Thank you for this. Because that prevents us from just walking through our life looking through the things that God has given to us and helps us look at the things he's given us. Amen? So here's the devotional for today. Here's the challenge. What I want to give you is this, if you get together with a community group, or if you can't because the weather's crazy, we don't know what's going to happen with the weather. Um, what I want you to do is, is three, these three steps, whether it's with your family, on your own, or with your community group. I want you to get together. I want you to, to open up the Bible to uh, Psalm 145 and just read through it. And maybe even start praying through. You can pray the Psalms as you're reading them as a prayer from you. But just read through it together. Maybe as a, in a group, just have people read a few verses, go around the room, read it. It will prepare your heart because it's thanking God. It's getting you ready for this. So you'll pray through it. And then after you pray through Psalm 145 and it's, you've kind of prepared your heart, then I want you to go around and just share a few things you're thankful for. Just share a few things you're you're thankful for. And then the third step is then pray together, thanking God together for what he has blessed you with. Just try that this week and see what happens. The other practical is start getting a list when you pray and write down three to five things and see what God does with that. See if he begins developing your prayer life. Start praying and then start praying with praise. Amen? All right, guys, we're going to praise uh, God together now. Um, Let me pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Would you just encourage every heart and soul in this room? Thank you for the families, the kids that made it. Bless those that are watching this right now in their homes. Would you just give us a week of joy? Lord, as we're in snow, some people might just be, you know, in their house for a few days. You know, I don't know, but I pray that it would be joy-filled. Lord, that they would be able to have time with you, develop their prayer life, and be filled with the joy that comes from praise and thankfulness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.